Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Well, hello. Welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. Uh, This is the very special Monday pickups edition it is an all ages, all audiences edition. Uh, welcome to it. Andy Barron's here to guide you. Uh, I am joined by multi-sport fantasy legend Scott Pianowski, and together we will lead you through the absolute fantasy minefield uh, that is the Week Five waiver wire. Uh, but first, Scott, how you doing? How's everything? The baseball season is finally done. I feel like that is a great weight that has lifted off my fantasy shoulders. Yeah, it is done. Uh, shout out to our colleague Dalton Del Don, who won the Friends and Family Baseball League in a, in a romp. I'm still a little bit scarred. The home baseball league I wanted to win with my friend Scott. We were in first place off and on most of the season. It's a season where a collection every week you get a score, and then the the person who's most total cumulative points end of the year wins. And we lost by I think one and a half points out of twenty six hundred. One and a half. We had, to lead, we had to lead into Sunday. Our opponent had nobody pitching. Our opponent didn't have any home runs or stolen bases, but just the wrong stuff happened. We had a, a win lined up in Houston. They allowed three runs in the ninth inning. Uh, my partner and I watched the Chris Davis home run together. So um, you know, <laughs> shared misery. Nobody, nobody cared. Nobody has, not only does nobody care about this other than the people in our league and even half of that league doesn't care, but nobody on this podcast certainly cares about it. But uh, fantasy baseball is such a grind and it's no surprise to me that fantasy football is the behemoth of fantasy. It doesn't require you to grind seven days a week. You know, there's one day you make pickups and one day you kind of work on your lineup. And then most of the games are contained on one day and a handful of hours. And so you're allowed to function normally in society. The people who play fantasy baseball, and I I count myself as one of these people, we are very deranged. There's something very dearly wrong with us. Yeah, this last month or so, um, you know, in the in the run up to a couple of pretty exciting fantasy finishes in in various baseball leagues, um, it's just it's it's like multiple points throughout the day. It drags you in too. Is the thing you know you're you're making decisions in the morning, you're checking to see who's active and inactive, you know, in the middle of the day, and then you're checking back in before the West Coast games, and then last thing before you go to sleep, you've got to you know goodness are there are there injuries is anybody day to day did it was anybody a surprise scratch like it's just a just a little bit of a grind and i'm i'm um it was exciting like i'm you know it was it was nice it was a very nice september uh across uh the fantasy baseball landscape but my god i'm i'm glad to have it behind me (laughs) also we get a little bit of disappointment where we had a setup where there could have been three or four teams in the al playoff wildcard race in fact i think they went to a system where 
the Red Sox were going to get to choose their opponent if there was a four-way tie in the playoffs. I, I think that is correct. They actually went to one of the gimmicks that people use in fantasy leagues. There was a possibility of the NL West having a tie and needing a playoff game, and none of that came to fruition. Team Entropy took a big loss on Sunday. Although, you know, Red Sox-Yankees on, you know, a, a playoff, one-game playoff between the Red Sox and Yankees in Fenway Park. How could that ever go wrong? How hilarious would it have been if they actually did... Um you know, make make playoff determinations based on the way we do things in fantasy. Because, like, nobody knows what the tiebreakers are in fantasy baseball. People are always blindsided by the fact that it's, a, what, what is it? It's like it's like Team ERA or sure. something like that is the tiebreaker. Let's go to that in, uh, in Major yeah, League we Yeah, we need real baseball to echo fantasy baseball. Like, why is Anthony Rizzo on the Yankees? Well, they stayed up till 3.02 a.m. <laughs> and picked him up. <laughs> you know, it's like... <laughs> Exactly. You know, all the other GMs are sleeping. The Yankees don't sleep. So city that never sleeps. Well, all right, let's, let's steer this back to football. Uh, yeah, yeah, by the way, New yeah. York, New York, both both uh, the the Jets and and Giants have won football games. So there's hope for everybody. Ye fantasy owner, if you're off to a bad start, for the first round quarterbacks got wins this week. Your Justin Fields is is smoking hot now. We're going to see Trey Lance. So it's um, yeah, I thought Mac Jones played well Sunday night, not legendarily well, but I thought well enough to win. Belichick oh, Mac Jones wrong. is the only thing we're going to remember about that game. Let's be honest. I'm going to um, remember Belichick making the wrong call. And then I, I guess mm. the ESPN bought uh, a fourth down decision making tree, said the kick was the right play. And then it came out that everybody else who has a f- mousetrap that does that says, no, you're supposed to go for it. <laughs> I, I thought trying a 56 yard kick in the rain when ev- your best case scenario is you make the kick and then Brady has about 50 seconds left and two timeouts just to get a field goal. And that's if you make a kick with Nick Folk in the rain and 50. 50- 56 yards. I don't know. It just seemed like a really bad decision for me. I first guessed that to my text thread before the kick. And look, it almost, the kick almost went in, but you know, Brady still had plenty of time to get in field goal range. Yeah, he did have plenty of leg. I mean, I, like that's the the sad thing about it is that it it uh, the miss kick deprived us of the finish that everybody wanted, right? You you wanted Brady two timeouts just wasn't it just under a minute to go, like 50 or 55 seconds, something like yep. that. Perfect scenario. Um, not that it could have been much more storybook, but that is the one way that it could have been. It was a, it was a fun game, fun night, uh, uh, perhaps a little bit less uh, impressive statistically than uh, than many thought it might be. <laughs> it was, it, I don't think it was any kind of a well-played classic, but it was an interesting yeah. game. There were lead changes. There was intrigue. There's something for us to question to first guess to second guess. So that's all. All we really want with sports is for them to be compelling and reasonably well-played. I thought last night was more interesting than it was well-played. But, I mean, yes. anybody who watched the game stayed with it till the end. So I guess that you can say something for that. We've got, what, Kansas City and Buffalo is the Sunday night game this week. So I think that'll be a I lot more exciting. Wait. Yeah, yes, that should absolutely. be some pinball. Dawson Knox is ready to go ham. I know Dawson Knox is carrying your daughter's team to Fantasy Glory. Uh as, as yeah, my, my daughter is actually being carried right now by Derrick Henry and Dawson Knox, the the one-two punch. That, the that co-MVP favorites right now, right? Those are the co-MVP favorites in the NFL, or Derrick Henry and Dawson Knox. <laughs> I believe that's the one case. One of them will win MVP. One of them will win Offensive Player of the Year, and it's up for Justin the Justin Tucker, a dark horse, but uh, yeah, other than that, <laughs> those two. Okay. Um, we are going to get into I, – I, I have a couple of questions for you related to your uh, Booms Bus feature from Sunday. Um, first, just a little bit of pre-show business that I that I have to attend to. If you folks are listening to a Pickups podcast and, hey, that's what you're doing, chances are your fantasy football team could use just a tiny little bit of help. And there's no better way – to help your team than to sign up for Yahoo Fantasy Plus. Uh, You can explore features like the Trade Hub, the Research Assistant, various cheat sheets, experts, rankings, all kinds of good stuff there, plus a weekly newsletter that is lovingly crafted, painstakingly crafted by me to assist and entertain you. 
Get your free trial of Yahoo Fantasy Plus at yahoofantasyfootball.com slash plus. Do it now. Go. Do it. And then come back to the pod. Pause the podcast. Do it. Come back. You can do that. Okay. So the the booms bust thing that I wanted to get to is, and I love that you led the way you did, right? Like, would have been perfectly natural to lead with one of the marquee games yesterday. But no, you give us Washington Atlanta because it was fun. It was all kinds of fun. It was like a classic example of two teams that are perhaps not super relevant in reality, just combining for an absolute fantasy smorgasbord. And I think we learned some things. I don't know. Um, Talk about like, I don't don't even know where to begin with this because Heineke was really fun. Whole Whole bunch of aspects of both offenses were great. I guess the place that I want to begin and something that I want to make sure that we hit is is Cordero Patterson. Uh, you and I were talking about it pre-pod. He played like 23 snaps in the game. He played basic. He played less than a third of the offensive snaps for Atlanta. He gets the ball almost every time he's on the field, right? He, he got the ball basically more than 50% of the snaps that he actually played. He's just been a touchdown machine. I can hardly remember a time when I had as many people on social platforms, on Twitter specifically, reach out to me to cuss me out for um, not telling them to start Patterson. Uh, that doesn't doesn't usually happen, right? Like you encounter a little bit of hostility on Twitter, but man, the people were mad um, at uh, apparently my my somewhat bearish rank on uh, on Cordero Patterson. And to them, I apologize. I'll I'll be better next time, I guess. Although it's really hard to rank him high because he barely plays. Right. I mean, what is he on his fifth or sixth uh, NFL team? He's been mostly a special teams guy. He had a, a moment of offensive relevance with the Vikings when he came into the league. And, and since then, he's just been a specialty guy, a gadget guy. And somebody, usually when Cordell Patterson in previous seasons was scoring a touchdown, he was taking it off the off out of the hands of somebody we wanted to score. You know, okay, yes. oh, the touchdown went to Patterson. You know, it didn't go to the guy we wanted it to. One of his touchdowns yesterday, Washington just didn't cover him. I mean, he was 15 yards wide open. You know, it, was, it looked like, you know, um, he was the only person in the frame. So it's hard for me to give anybody credit for a play like that because you just you can't live sustainably from that. So the question I guess I have to ask for Patterson is that, has he been so good that Arthur Smith says, okay, Patterson's been so explosive, we need to expand his role? Or do they maybe think, oh, well, we're using him exactly the right amount. We don't really view him as an every snap player. Let's just make him a specialty guy. And now – you know, maybe they'll do some jet sweep stuff with him. They can actually do some fake stuff to Patterson because he's gonna. You gotta assume he's gonna get more defensive attention going forward. I don't think this would work in a league of any sophistication. But if you're in kind of a more casual league and you have Cordell Patterson, this is the greatest time to put him on the trade market. Yeah, and you you, you can do it subtly, right? I mean, you don't have to say, "Hey, I got to move Patterson." Just say, "Hey, I'm pretty strong at running back. Go to the team. There's always running back injuries. There's a bunch of them you have listed on this script today." Go to one of those teams and say, hey, I got four playable running backs. Do you like any of these guys? And maybe they'll come to Patterson. It's the right time to get him out on the market because you just can't. This is not a sustainable business model. Um, But this was a fun game. I'm excited that Taylor Heineke has basically turned into Ryan Fitzpatrick 2.0. He's a lot of YOLO in his game, a lot of recklessness, a lot of I'll run like the last snap of his career. I think we have said this last week on the pod. And he's getting the ball where we want it, right? A lot of Terry McLaurin targets. Uh, I think Logan Thomas would have been plenty uh, involved if he hadn't gotten hurt in this game. And we'll see how bad the injury is to Antonio Gibson. But Washington has skill players we care about. They're the focus of the offense. Heineke knows where his bread is buttered and is not afraid to throw the ball downfield. And let his, you, know, you don't have to be open for Heineke to chuck it to you. 
And I like that. And we saw some signs of life from Matt Ryan. I was nervous when he had such a low A dot, such a low average uh, average attempted pass, and, and was also inaccurate through three weeks. I was just worried that maybe Matt Ryan was you know, ready to just you know, go off the cliff. And that's a problem for Calvin Ridley managers. That's a problem for Kyle Pitts managers, you know, the Patterson people. And Ryan played better. I, I don't know. Maybe just the WFT defense isn't any good because, man, is it play? And there's yeah. also that really sketchy call on Chase Young, uh, roughing the passers to a phantom call. But we need Matt Ryan to be adequate because we want to play Ridley with confidence. We want to play Pitts with confidence. We want to have Mike Davis be a relevant running back, too. And maybe there's going to be a Patterson thing going forward. And it's just encouraging to see Ryan play better. I don't think he played great by any means. And I think the Washington defense was certainly a, a tailwind for him. But at least there were some signs of optimism with Ryan where I didn't see many of them in the first three weeks. Yeah, no, it was the classic Matt Ryan, good fantasy performance, m- not exactly a flawless real life performance, but we don't care about that, right? We're not we're not Atlanta fans necessarily. We just want the numbers and they were there. And Matt Ryan's done that his whole career. And it's great if he can do it now because he's, you know, he's the guy feeding a couple of really important fantasy assets. I think you are by and large right on on Patterson. Uh, like, I, I, I hate to say it's a fun story, like Patterson breaking out in this way at this stage of his career is super interesting, really fun. I just can't get past the fact that he's just consistently playing about 30% of the snaps. And that's just not a, that's not normally um, the, the, the path to sustained fantasy success. So it is difficult for me not to think of him as a, uh, as a, as a clear trade ship right now. And I also like the way you describe taking him to the trade market. It's, like you're always undercutting the value of a player if you just announce to the league that a specific person is is now available for trade. It's it's always better to do as you as you say, you know, throw a group of players out there, throw an entire position out there and just say that you have a surplus here. And with Patterson, you can say that's either receiver or running back because um, he qualifies both and uh, and slowly try to steer people toward him. Uh, he's he's plenty buzzy right now. Um, I again, I have a lot of people reaching me out, reaching reaching out to me about uh, about Patterson's performance um, with a fair amount of hostility. Uh, so people want him. I can guarantee that people want him. It's funny though because Mike Davis keeps playing like two thirds of the two thirds of the backfield snaps. I mean, he's not coming off the. He's not playing great. Um, he's he's basically at the low end of his potential range of outcomes this season. Can't buy a touchdown. Well, bought one, I guess, against Washington because everybody scored, but not productive, not particularly efficient. Um, is he? Are, are are you staying away from Mike Davis just because just because Patterson is a is a sell high? That doesn't make Davis a buy low, right? Yeah, I mean Davis still had double digit carries, although he averaged about one yard per yeah. carry. And um, you know, the NFL was so disgusted with the Falcons, they actually shipped them to London. Um, <laughs> the Falcons and the the Falcons and the Jets were starting to you know we really want to annoy our European friends by giving them two of of the NFL's finest for next week. So you'll have to wake up a little bit earlier on the West Coast to run that that fantasy um, stuff next week because that's going to be a, I think nine thirty Eastern time game. I want to say um, we're also going to have an individual DFS contest for that. So if that's something that you like to play in and you want to get some Corderell Patterson in your life or, you know, whoever it is, like some Jamison Crowder in your life, whatever it is, yeah. Zach Wilson. You, you want to argue with selfie, you know, uh, Jets and Falcons are coming your way on an island game and what America wants. But yeah, Mike Davis, he's got, he's got double digit touches in his back pocket every week. And that's a currency. Um, unfortunately, there's not a lot of touchdown equity and Patterson is going to keep, 
I think we thought maybe Mike Davis might be a 15 to 18 touch player. Maybe he's more like a 10 to 15 touch player and he's right. going to lose some touch on equity to Patterson. So he went from, I thought, a very boring but solid running back two to maybe he's a low end running back two or a flex. But beggars can't be choosers, as, as they say. If you know somebody's going to get double digit touches in any offense that has value, that has currency, and we can still say that about Davis. All right, let's dive into the pickups and start at running back where we had um, some key injuries. We're, we're still, again, we're, we record this thing early afternoon on Monday. We're still waiting for uh, the official word on David Montgomery's knee injury. It seems, as we speak right now, that it is not the worst case scenario. Now, he was in a ton of pain and he knew immediately that he had done something on the field. You couldn't get a great camera angle on this from the from the overhead um and uh the broadcast team smartly did not uh repeatedly show it which of course is uh is encouraged um so i like i i don't know what am i i'm just somebody who's been playing fantasy for a long time i'm not a doctor i can't tell you what's wrong with his knee but the early reports suggest that it's not perhaps an acl which of course would be a season ender and would be terrible um so we think he might escape this thing uh, again without the worst case scenario. But that is probably the the biggest of the injuries at running back. We, we also have Joe Mixon, uh, who played on Thursday night with a what is being called a low grade ankle sprain. Sounds like he's week to week. Um, if we don't get him in week five, we will surely get him in the next game. It doesn't seem overly serious. I believe Antonio Gibson did something new to himself in uh, in in week four. He entered the week, I believe, with a shin issue. Uh, was down for a while in uh, in the game against Atlanta. It felt like almost everybody on the on the WFT uh, took some hits in that one and uh, and suffered injuries. So it was a rough uh, rough afternoon there. Um, so those are the big injuries. I'm just going to throw a bunch of ads out there for you. All these guys available in over 50 percent of Yahoo leagues. And I got to say, I'm surprised by this first name, Latavius Murray is only rostered in 47% of Yahoo leagues at the moment, which the last I checked, it was the preseason and everybody was buzzing about the fact that Murray was actually signed by the Ravens and he was all the way up to like 70 or 75% rostered. And I figured we'd never talk about him in, uh, you know, either in the, in the pickups column or on this podcast, but here we are, he's available to over 50% of you, none of, none of my leagues, but over 50% of you, he seemed to be the clear, uh, well, he was the clear lead back in, uh, in week four against Denver. Healthy workload, inefficient day. He hasn't really looked great throughout the season, but he's obviously checking all the boxes for the coaching staff. Uh, Tyson Williams was a healthy scratch in that one, and he's, to my eye, has been the the liveliest runner that they've had, but he's also had some ball security issues, and obviously the coaching staff not thrilled with perhaps his pass protection. Uh, so Latavius Murray it is. He is, again, widely available. Uh, behind David Montgomery, Damian Williams would be the clear Ad. He was the he was the clear backup to Montgomery, and he actually uh, scored a third quarter touchdown against the Lions in Week Four. He did exit the week with a quad injury. Matt Nagy mentioned that in post game comments. So we have to we have to monitor his health as well as Montgomery's this week as well. Behind those two, Khalil Herbert, a sixth round rookie, uh, went to Virginia Tech, had a great season. A couple of years ago, uh, over 1,100 yards, almost eight yards a carry as a collegiate player. But of course, it was in the dreadful ACC. So uh, the quality of opposing defenses there is an issue. Other names for you to consider. Kenneth Gainwell, who looked great again. Alex Collins, who had a double-digit workload uh, alongside Chris Carson. 
Brandon Bolden, maybe the maybe the one guy uh, in the Patriots backfield who hasn't fumbled away an opportunity yet this year. And uh, of course, Samaj P. Ryan, the guy running behind Joe Mixon. Sort those names out for us, Scott. Well, obviously, Williams kind of comes with an asterisk because I don't I don't want him unless Montgomery significantly hurts. So we'll, we'll yeah. know by the time you have to make your offers, we should have a better sense of where Williams is at. He could easily percolate to the bottom of this list or the top of this list, depending on what we find out with Montgomery. If you're just looking to get a hit to get on base, I, I think Kenneth Gainwell is basically Naheem Hines, right? I mean, Siriana came from Indianapolis. Gainwell's getting a decent market share. I think he's their most targeted receiver, I want to say, through four weeks. And for whatever reason, they don't. Miles Sanders, they're just not running the ball a lot with him. Part of that is Hurts. Part of that is Philadelphia seems destined to have three or four offensive linemen hurt at any point in any season. That's happened again. Gainwell really fits what this offense wants to be. And I think he's going to be that low end running back two or, or high end flex you know, in a, in a 12 team and up league, Kenneth Gainwell might become an every week starter because we can start seeing double digit touches and touchdown equity for him every week. I'm like you, I haven't been impressed with Murray, but the fact that they scratched Williams, who I think has looked, I, I think pretty good when he's carrying the ball, but maybe they don't think he can handle a heavy workload. They don't like he's put the ball on the ground at least once. I think he might've blown a, a blitz pickup once in previous games. So they seem to be souring on Williams for, God knows what reason they had Le'Veon Bell active on uh, in week four. And, of course, that offense is always going to run through Lamar Jackson. He's going to bogart a lot of the running production and running touchdowns anyway. Murray's a guy. They're going to give him the ball, you know, eight to 12 times, I think, a week. I don't think he has any huge upside. But as long as he's on the field and people like Tyson Williams aren't, we have to take Williams seriously. I don't know what's going on in Seattle because I thought Chris Carson was a very safe running back too. Maybe yeah. not an upside player, but somebody you could always feel good about. And now Collins, who bounced around the league, and it's like it's almost like Alex Collins still in the NFL. Yeah, he's, he looks pretty good. <laughs> I, I, I don't understand it, and I feel like the week I need Alex Collins, he's probably going to have five carries, but um, he's there. Gamewell's the guy I want to get. Uh, Williams tied to Montgomery. Murray is is a single, can only be a single. I don't think Murray is any upside. Kenneth Gainwell, if available, is the guy I'm going to go after. Uh, Brandon Bolden's another player. He feels he's been in the Patriots for 20 years. Uh, I think he's one of the first players to congratulate Tom Brady after the game, you know, because they, they ran in a, you know, together. They're in the bunker together on a lot of teams, but yeah. I have no confidence. You know, I have no confidence that it couldn't be. Maybe Stevenson will be healthy next week and active, and you know, maybe maybe JJ Taylor gets mothball because he had a fumble. And I don't feel like any Patriot running back is ever bankable right now. It's just too many of them, and the usage is not discernible. Uh, so my main takeaway is I want Kenneth Gainwell. I can live with Murray if you're desperate. And uh, as far as some of the other backs, it's tied to who's hurt and who isn't. Damian Williams check back on Montgomery. If Montgomery looks bad, then you have to be aggressive with Williams. Yeah. Whatever the, uh, whatever the outcome in, is with Montgomery, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to be shocked if he's available to play uh, over the next couple of weeks. Cause it did at least look that serious. Um, and it was one of those situations where the entire offense like took a knee immediately and were, were obviously concerned uh, for him. He was writhing in pain. Although we've seen David Montgomery bounced back from some and he's built up a lot of, you know, uh, goodwill with the with the team and with the coaching staff because of this. He played remember last year 
he suffered that early groin injury um, that sure looked like it was going to be a multi-week thing. And he fought through that and uh, made his way back to the field. So perhaps we get the same situation here. I'd, I'd be shocked if he doesn't miss a little bit of time. So uh, once again, you have to worry about the quad injury with Damian Williams as well. So that's a concern. So there's there's just a couple of players where we're going to have to uh, track practice reports pretty closely and, and health updates throughout the week. Uh, I, I fundamentally agree with you on Gainwell, and I like the comp to uh, Naheem Hines too. Like, Gainwell just saw eight targets like he, he he was second on the team in targets this week, barely behind uh, Devontae Smith. Um, he is active as a receiver pretty much every week. And we we knew coming in to the year that uh, obviously Miles Sanders uh, basically face planted as a receiver last year. Ton of drops. Pretty good rookie year for Sanders as a receiver. And then just a bunch of drops last season. And, and there are, you know, there are teams that never let that go. Um, and so Gainwell had a path to early season relevance and he's and he's really taken it. He looks good between the tackles too. So he's just he's another one of those Memphis success stories. Like all the all the cool trendy running backs come out of Memphis now. And, and you know what else I like about Gainwell is that sometimes when you have a mobile quarterback, we worry that okay, when plays break down, they're gonna look to run. And sometimes yeah. that type of player doesn't mesh with a pass catching running back. But here's Gainwell who has quickly taken a receiving share in an offense that has a mobile quarterback. He plays well with Hurts. I know a lot of the catches are in the scheme of the offense, but the fact that they seem to have a rapport or a connection right away this early in Gamewell's NFL career is gigantic. That speaks yep. very well for what his potential, what his sustainability will be as a fantasy player. Yeah, he sure looks like he's going to be double-digit touches pretty much every week with a lot of PPR appeal. Let's move on to wide receiver. The The biggest injuries off the top of my head are DJ Chark. Uh, he's actually hit injured reserve. He's got a fractured ankle. Will Fuller checked out with a hand injury in week four. Potential ads here. I want to, I guess I want to start with, uh, with Curtis Samuel. Curtis Samuel made his return from IR. He, of course, had the groin injury. Didn't play a whole lot, but caught every ball that came his way. I think he, he I think it was four catches on four targets, all of it short range stuff. He's somebody who's pretty interesting to me. Um, uh, Deami Brown goes down. Logan Thomas goes down. Uh, Gibson dealing with some level of injury. They need weapons, and he is one. And it, it, assuming he emerged from this thing healthy without aggravating the, the groin issue, I think Curtis Samuel's going to get interesting. Darnell Mooney had had the game that uh i don't know i like we were all imagining that that he certainly could have had last year if the bears had been able to block um for any of the routes that he was running he was fantastic a couple of couple of deep balls a highlight catch justin fields looked you know justin fields had time against detroit he was able to push the ball downfield and that just suits mooney so well he had 125 receiving yards looked great doing it uh, Jamison Crowder finally made his return. Also a groin injury. I believe he's on the COVID list as well. He came back, caught a touchdown from Zach Wilson. Man, what, like Wilson is such a funny player. And, and we were talking about this off pod as well. It, it's, it's fun to watch the, the roller coaster of emotion that Mike Salfino has regarding his, uh, his rookie quarterback, man, Wilson's got an arm. Like he's made some weird decisions and he's had some ugly moments this year, but that kid, that kid has a great arm. He threw an absolute, like just, just a little flick of the wrist dart to, to Jamison Crowder in the corner of the end zone. Uh, so Crowder spikes, he's back in the game. You guys kind of know what you're getting with him. Devontae Parker is available in over 60% of Yahoo leagues. It's a bit of a surprise to me. He also found the end zone in week four. AJ Green found the end zone in week four. He has drawn exactly six targets in every game so far. Um, so we kind of know what to get there. And if I, I mean, I think, I think we would agree that we want as many shares as we can get of the Arizona offense where it makes sense. 
Rashad Bateman coming off IR soon. I think he's going to be an important addition for Baltimore. And then I'm just going to lob Josh Gordon's name into this mix as well. I'm not going to give him a, a, a particularly strong endorsement. He's uh, he, he's not a young player anymore, and he's well-traveled, and he's joining a Chiefs roster where there's an opportunity, I suppose, behind uh, behind Hill and Kelsey. I've just had so many people ask about Josh Gordon that I feel like we ought to talk about him a little bit. I'm not in on Josh Gordon. Simple as that. Uh, Bateman is one of the greatest IR stashes you can have right now. Yeah. I think he could be an impact player in the second half of the year. The Baltimore offense is set up as, as that they don't have somebody who really does what Bateman does. He he doesn't, he would work in concert with Hollywood Brown. Brown's going to be running these deeper routes. Nice to see him hold on to one this week after dropping everything in Detroit. So I, I like him as a stash. Yeah. You know, Mooney is interesting because you like the fact that he's already shown a rapport with Justin Fields it just seemed felt like Mooney was wide open that whole game and Fields was eager to throw him the ball. Jamison Crowder to me is a bass player. He can never be a lead guitarist. He can never be somebody who's the featured person in a band. But I think I don't think it's a surprise that it's a coincidence that the Jets offense played better when they had Crowder back on the field. He's just the type of to be able to win on third down, to be able to win on option routes, to be able to win out of the slot and, and help keep the offense on schedule and, and keep drives sustained. I think it's really going to help this Jets offense be and the Jets, you know, we'll see where Wilson goes and he's going to have some days where he looks terrible. I hope people realize that just because the Jets were 0 three, their defense is actually pretty good. And I thought it was totally projectable that they had maybe a 30 or 40% chance to beat the Titans on Sunday with all their, all the Tennessee receivers hurt just because the team's offense stinks does not mean their defense stinks. I mean, sometimes yeah. the defense <laughs> falls down by the, it collapses because it's always being sabotaged by its offense. But the Jets defense is actually a pretty nasty group. Anyway, I like Crowder for what he is. He's a wide receiver, three wide receiver, four. As we get into bye week season, he's somebody you might be. A lot of these guys are going to be players you might play in bye weeks. You know, Curtis Samuel might be that type of player. Crowder might be that type of player. I like Devontae Parker. I'm just afraid they're always going to have substandard quarterback play until they address it. I Certainly, we know who Brissett is. And I'm not confident that two is a long-term solution either. And obviously with all the overtures they've made towards Watson, it doesn't sound like they're really in love with Tua either. But if Fuller's out, there's just going to be extra targets up for grabs. I know that Gasecki has been getting a ton of them since Brissett took over, but uh, Parker's playable. You mentioned with AJ Green, I mean, he's getting six targets a week. So at least you know what you're getting into, right? You're getting into a guy who has a role, but it's not that big of a role. I think mostly he gets in the way of other players who I might want to use. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll get to that a little bit later, but uh, nobody in this list is is somebody who's two handed for me as far as as uh, a, a fab offer. I'll be interested with Crowder in deeper leagues. I'll be interested. And Mooney's probably gone in my deeper leagues and medium leagues. I'd be fine with him. I, I would be fine with Samuel at my price. I think Gordon's just a trap. Green is what he is. You know Parker. You know again, you're playing for a single. I, I don't see a major home run hitter here. I think the market might under underrate Crowder. I think Crowder is actually going to be better than maybe the market believes he will be. Yeah, Crowder is one of those funny players where um, it, it feels like there's because there has been there. It feels like there's always an injury on the horizon. Um, he's just dealt with like a plague of hamstring injuries his entire career. Every time it, it thinks like he, it, every time it feels like he's going to have an opportunity to really emerge, um, he tweaks a hamstring again and he misses two weeks or he misses important time in training camp, something like that. So uh, it's been <laughs> when he's healthy, when he's rolling, 
he's been super useful and obviously a, a fair amount of PPR appeal there. I like the way you phrased it with Rashad Bateman. I think he is. I think they have kind of a, a Rashad Bateman shaped hole in that offense right now um, that obviously we can plug him into. And it's going to hopefully it really clicks because um, Lamar has had some really nice moments this season coming into uh, I. I'm not sure it I'm not sure it still holds after the rushing output in week four, but coming into week four, Lamar Jackson was averaging by far the most passing yards per game of his career and actually averaging the most rushing yards per game of his career. So like quietly without certainly without enough touchdowns um, was having a super productive season and and someone that I that I think I still consider a bit of a buy low. Um, I want to I want to talk about Mooney because I would be so bullish on him. If uh, it weren't for the fact that Matt Nagy and we'll get into the quarterbacks in a minute, but if it weren't for the fact that Matt Nagy were, were sticking to this Andy Dalton as QB one plan, um, which was reiterated on Monday, apparently as soon as um, as soon as Dalton is healthy, he's going to be back in the uh, in the captain's chair, which fine. It's just that Andy Dalton at the at the absolute bottom of the league right now in air yards per target. It's it's uh, I want to say it's four point two. Uh, intended air yards per target, which is hilariously low, and uh, it's been one of the bright. It's been one of the 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 best things about Justin Fields coming into these games is that he is actually aggressive and he's looking deep and he's taking deep shots and absolutely everything that came out of Andy Dalton's hand in uh, in week one was ten yards or ten yards or less, uh, and that's not going to suit Darnell Mooney at all. It doesn't suit anyone, right? There's no high yield opportunities in the Bears passing game. When that's the case, it's bad for Robinson. It is certainly bad for Mooney, who is one of the better deep threats, certainly young deep threat receivers in the game. So if if we finally get to the Justin Fields era, I'm going to be super into Darnell Mooney, but um, the the likelihood of an Andy Dalton return, I think squashes it for me a little bit. I nothing to add to that other than agreement. Let's uh let's talk about the tight ends. Logan Thomas, who we've already mentioned, is uh it, it's a hamstring issue and he was immediately rolled out of the game. So you worry about that. He was the he was the big loss at the position. Um I feel like we have a collection of similar names, probably names that we've discussed before, that I think should be the primary ads. And I'll separate a couple of them here. I think I think Dalton Schultz and Dawson Knox just have to be rostered. And Knox is Knox is getting pretty close to the 50% threshold. I think he's 46, 47%, something like that. Schultz still has little ways to go, but they've been touchdown machines. Knox, in fact, one of these guys, maybe both of them, is going to have that Robert Tunyon season um, uh, from from a year ago because um, they are they are tied to great offenses. So there's definitely a path to ten touchdowns here. And uh, you know, shoot, Knox has Knox has four in his last three games. He's found the end zone in three straight, getting enough targets that he's not simply one of these guys who's like. TD or bust, right? Like he can, in a PPR league, if he's getting six targets a week, you're, you're getting something if he doesn't find the end zone, but he's, he's clearly a primary, you know, goal to go target in an offense that is, that is just rolling. That is, you know, we were, it feels like a million years ago that Buffalo actually lost to Pittsburgh. That still feels like the strangest thing that's happened this year. They're just, they're 40 points a week now, and they've got a, a super fun game coming up against Kansas City, which is, you know, sneakily one of the worst defenses in the league, if not the worst defense in the league. So there should be another, I mean, just a full helping of, of fantasy points in that one. So I think Knox is probably the most interesting name here, followed by Dalton Schultz. And then I think we need to talk about Cameron Brait and and Max X Williams as well. Yeah, you know, Schultz, it's interesting with, as well as Zeke is playing, as well as Tony Pollard is playing and as impactful as Schultz has been, I think even Jarwin had a touchdown this week. Yep. 
I think any of the receivers that you drafted for Dallas ADP and the Dallas defense is actually okay. It's it, I'm not gonna say it's a great defense, but it used to be horrible. And last year it was God awful. They've well, Diggs has it, five interceptions and no one can stop Micah Parsons. Um, yeah, it's, <laughs> so it's, 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 some defense, players. The, the defense is what the chiefs wish they had. Just, just win a yeah. few possessions. You don't have to win every possession yeah. and we're going to put up 30. If you can just keep them under 30, we win. And even if they score more than 30, we might win anyway, because the offense is so good. So this doesn't set up well if you need C.D. Lamb or Amari Cooper. Obviously, Gallup is hurt right now. Uh, Prescott didn't get the volume, but had four touchdowns. I, this Dallas offense has so many different pieces in it now that it's going to, you know, as great as Zeke looks, Pollard's going to get double-digit touches a week. I, I like Schultz. I just, I think I part of the takeaway here, and I know this is a pickups pod, is that I'd be nervous if I had C.D. Lamb or Amari Cooper, because I don't think there's going to, those 11, 12, 13 target games you were dreaming of, I don't think we're going to see as many of them because the offense is balanced enough and the defense is good. So I like Schultz. Uh, you know, Knox, we have to take seriously. He was part of that great Ole Miss team that had A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf and no quarterback <laughs> play. We, we often fondly refer to that team. And I hit some drop problems early in his career. I fell in love with him his rookie year when he had a couple of runaway train, you know, catch and runs, but he had some ball security issues. Apparently he's uh, doesn't seem to be a problem now and he's getting priority looks in the, in the red zone. I think that the Tunyon call is great. I could see Knox being that player. The problem with Cameron Bright is there's always going to be three or four better options for them to use. And I know there are a couple of plays that were designed for Bright. He does have some touchdown equity, but Gronk, I don't think Gronk is going to be out you know, that long. Maybe a couple of weeks, but I think Gronk eventually is back. Maybe by Halloween. Disappointing that he couldn't play in the New England game, but I, I just think yeah. I don't think Braid is a long term answer. You know, with Max Williams, they were creative with some of the ways they got him the ball. They ran one of those design throwback screenplays, which looks so great when they work. And Max Williams had this convoy. He had like thir- the easiest thirty yard catch you'll ever want to make. Got a little bit of pedigree. He was a second round pick when he came out. We at one point, like Max Williams was like a breakout player that we talked about, and then that quickly fizzled out. I'm encouraged, and again, and you know, he's going to be a reason why there's somebody else in this offense I don't want to play anymore. But I think Max Williams is the thing. I think he might have the the highest target upside of anybody on this group. Although Schultz is probably going to be pretty close. So I would I would say Knox would be the first guy I'd get just because I think he has the best touchdown equity. Schultz and Williams are pretty close. And then I, I think Brait would be the fallback, the fourth guy on my list. Yeah, not super unusual for, uh, you know, Max Williams has been around and uh, what, sixth year in the league, something like that. It's just not unusual for a tight end to break out like on a second contract right after after four or five seasons. It happens. Not unusual at all. He was, I mean, he was just a walking highlight in in college at uh, at Minnesota. He was such a great collegiate player. So it's not it's not totally surprising. I feel like this is one of those bandwagons where I'd I'd already written it off as a loss, but but I rode the Max Williams uh, bandwagon just absolutely as long as I could because he was just he was just such a fun watch as a collegiate player. Um, less fun if you were cheering for another Big Ten team. But just a just a, a huge talent. It's nice to see him have a little bit of success. Yeah, I, I agree with you on Cameron Braid. It's really only a, a one or two week one or two week possibility. He did see about a half dozen targets, which if they're Tom Brady targets, that's that's worth something. But uh, uh, for me, Dawson Knox probably in a separate category from the rest of these guys. I think he's going to be a rest of season. He's basically having the year that I, I think we would have predicted from like Mark Andrews, right? He's he's having he's having roughly that season, and there's a path here for him to finish as a top six, certainly top seven fantasy tight end. Let's hit the let's hit the quarterbacks before we get out of here. 
Um, the the notable injuries here, obviously, Jimmy Garoppolo had a calf injury in it. He sure made it sound in postgame comments like he was going to miss the upcoming matchup. Uh, is it uh, is it Arizona? I think it might be Arizona. Um, I think he's going to miss that one. And then I think they have a bye. So we've got we've got Trey Lance. I Trey Lance is the is the quarterback that I wrote up in the pickups column this week. Just because I got tired of writing up Sam Darnold and Daniel Jones, who are coming off good games and are going to be reasonably good plays for the foreseeable future. Um, but let's talk about let's talk about Trey Lance. Let's talk about the possibility that Trey Lance actually did, like maybe this is the dawn of the Trey Lance era. Kyle Shanahan wasn't really speaking that way um, and definitively called him uh, the number two quarterback and Jimmy Garoppolo, the number one. So it's it's probable that Garoppolo gets the gets the job back unless Lance absolutely absolutely blows the doors off in his uh in his upcoming start um he was fun i it wasn't clean right it, i, I want to say that he was nine for 18 uh it was a little bit sloppy but he had the two touchdowns to debo samuel one of them was a hilarious broken play like there was no coverage it was it was uh, uh one of those rare plays where it happens in the big 12 happens in the acc but you don't see it in the nfl very often where there's no defender in the in the camera frame <laughs> and debo just racing to the end zone um but a couple of touchdown passes to to debo um so uh, trey lance obviously has rushing upside that that gives him in any given week a path to being a top five fantasy quarterback. So I don't know where you at. Where you at on Lance? How are you prioritizing this group of quarterbacks? I agree. Darnold and Jones have separated themselves. Darnold has great help. He's already run for five touchdowns. He's a good athlete, you know. Yeah. I mean, and he's freed. It's been said ad nauseum. He's been freed from New York and the Jets and Gase and all that stuff. So he's he's landed in a good spot. And Daniel Jones is protecting the ball. He only is. One fumble, and it was a kind of an effort play where it got punched out from behind. It wasn't a pocket fumble. And the only interception he's thrown was a Hail Mary at halftime, which you don't even, you really shouldn't have that on a quarterback's record. So he's playing yeah. mistake-free football. They've gotten Galladay kind of back up, you know, in, introduced to the offense, and he looks close to 100%. I think Barkley looks a little better every week. I wouldn't say he looks great yet, although he looked exciting in the in the passing game in week four. That was a, he that looked, was a great game against a very good run defense. Too. Right, right. I mean, that's the thing, right? If Daniel Jones can do this, I I get thrown off the scent because I had the Giants as one of my darts in week three against the Falcons, and they didn't beat a bad Atlanta team or do much on offense, and it really frustrated me. I thought, okay, well, now they're playing the Saints back in the Superdome. This won't go well. And, um, and Jones actually played a very clean, mistake-free game, which I didn't think he would do against a defense like that. So Darnold and Jones, you have my blessing to, you know, Add them and keep them. They're not even streamers anymore. Yeah. They're yeah. you're renting those to own. Trey Lance, I think, has a wide range of outcomes, but he's got rushing potential and he's got really good skill talent around him. We know that he can throw a pass to Kittle or to Debo or, God forbid, Brandon Ayuk. I don't know why he's back in the doghouse apparently, but um, these guys are catch and run guys. You don't have to play perfectly for them to make you look good. He's got Kyle yes. Shanahan. No running back has really kind of taken this job and run with it. Sermon was better last week, uh, but uh, this weekend than last week. But I mean, Sermon hasn't been a monster by any means. We'll see when they get Mitchell back, hopefully in week five. So it's, it's like one of those things where it's like Lance could end up quarterback seven. I'd be like, oh yeah, I see it. And he could have like the Justin Fields first start of, of the year game. And I go, oh yeah, I kind of see that too. Uh, so it's going to be, it's going to be a wide range of outcomes with him. Uh, with, with Fields, I, you know, I still think they want, I don't think they want games relying on if you know field throwing the ball 30 40 plus times a game i don't think they've been as proactive with him running the ball as they could so i have to put him as the bottom guy on this list 
Plus the whole thing with Nagy and who calls the plays and Nagy's obviously trying to work the media to save his job. And it, it's just a really, I almost wish they could just fire Nagy now just to be done with it. Although mid season firings almost never make sense, but the idea that Andy Dalton would ever be a starter there when they have to find out about fields and develop them once they can play fields and not be worried that his confidence is going to be completely beaten out of him. I think fields just needs, he needs to start. He needs to get his reps and learn from his mistakes. And this is not a Super Bowl team or probably a playoff team this year. So let's just find out how good Justin Fields is. So in a couple of years, when you hit that inflection point, we've given him a chance. Yeah, in that regard, I, I feel like it's it's so much more difficult a uh, choice for San Francisco. Like if they legitimately yes. think that that Garoppolo gives them the best chance to win, well, they're a you know they. I mean, shoot, that team's loaded. Um, they just went to a Super Bowl. They could get mm-hmm. back. Um, it should be a much easier decision for the Bears to <laughs> to move on to Justin Fields, right? Because not that you ever say it. But there's no path for the Bears to to make it through the absolute buzzsaw of like a deep postseason run. I mean, maybe you can keep yourself in a wild card conversation or something like that. But you're not going to the Super Bowl with this team. Yeah, no, um, it, it's wild that that they're not finding more opportunities to play him, and that they're already like proactively saying that Andy Dalton is the uh, is the QB one as soon as he's ready to play. I mean, maybe the, maybe Matt Nagy's. Super Bowl is that he goes nine and eight and keeps his job. I mean, he's probably yeah. he's kind of in the Anthony Lynn situation, right? Where Anthony Lynn needed to try to find a way to keep his job, you know, and even right. winning four games at the end of last season didn't do it. But now the Chargers are so well set up with Herbert and all the talent there. Man, I wish I had Mike Williams on any of my fantasy rosters. But man, it just with Chicago, I, I think I think the Bears fans just wish we could just push fast forward to 2022. You know, this is going to be kind of a purgatory season. And yeah. who is more, what quarterback is more purgatory than Andy Dalton? <laughs> Uh, if there is one, he's the uh, he's number three on the depth chart. It's Nick Foles, right? Like, there you go. <laughs> yeah, get all of them, right? Yeah. Why, why don't you trade for Joe Flacco too? Oh gosh. Uh, well, that that was a disgusting list of names. Um, let's talk about let's talk about players you can drop to make some of these pickups. And I'm I'm looking at our at our show notes right now, and I I can't believe you're trotting this name out. Okay, why don't you start with your drop? I hate it. Well, I, let's start with your 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 gutless drop of Tyson Williams. Andy's giving you permission to drop a player who do, was a healthy scratch in week four. Okay, I, let's I, actually talk about him because I I don't know that I should do it, and I have some rosters where I need to make moves because we have buys coming up, and I've got yep. I've got injuries to fill, and I see Tyson Williams there, and he's the best. We talked about it earlier. Like he's the best yeah, runner on that ball play. in his hands. Other than Lamar Jackson, he's their best rushing option. He's just obviously failed in some in some other regards. And they have this they have this list of, you know, thousand year old running backs that they want to trot out there ahead of him. But I'm this is this is me trying to talk myself into dropping Tyson Williams because I obviously has no trade value right now. And I'm a little bit skittish about starting him. But I'm also afraid that if I drop him in three weeks, he's going to be getting 15 carries for the most run heavy offense in football. Yeah, it's just going to be hard to project that ahead of time, you know, in the. Charles Robinson Super League, the 20-team league that most of Yahoo people, I have Tyson Williams and need him to play. And I didn't realize as I was in the middle of NFL Sunday, I didn't realize he was a healthy scratch. What I could have done, and again, 20-team league, there is nothing to to pick up at running back, you know, fullbacks around. What I could have done is swapped out Tyson Williams for J.J. Taylor. And the interesting thing was that I actually got the better of it with Williams because his zero was better than Taylor's negative points because he fumbled. <laughs> so a you know, great, great fantasy team by you. So I only lost to Jeff Passan by, you know, 43 points instead of like 40 points. 
it's funny how fantasy goes so quick. After two weeks, I was 2-0. I had like the second highest point total out of 20. I'm like, yeah, I got bad running back room, but I'm getting through it. And now all of a sudden I hate my team. And it's so hard to trade in that league because nobody – trades come from depth and nobody has depth in a league yes, like that, you, generally you can't speaking. possibly have depth, yeah. It's really hard to trade. And of course, Robinson will, you know, hypnotize one of our opponents and, and make some trade that favors Charles. It seems like what he gets out of that league being the commissioner. Great man, Charles Robinson. But anyway, that's, those are my problems. I In that league, I have to hold on to Williams and hope for the best. But I think he's very droppable in regular formats. Andy, being the Big Ten wonk that he is, doesn't want me to drop, drop Rondell more. But here's the problem. <laughs> if A.J. Green has six targets to his name every week, if Max Williams is a thing, okay, they're going to throw some passes to Chase Edmonds. Touchdown runs are going to go to Murray. And now James Conner has become the touchdown deodorant guy, the ugly volume, you know, 12 carries a week, but some goal line carries. You know, people will scream out, Chase Edmonds is so much better. And James Conner is going to score. He's going to have the Robert Tunyon equivalent year of, you know, he really didn't yeah, play that well, he but he scored all these touchdowns. There's just all these people in front of Rondell Moore. You're going to have weeks like this week, he had three targets. Last week, they have two targets. You can't. I know there's a big Rondell Moore game out there, but you're never going to be able to project it ahead of time. And let, there's going to have to be a couple of injuries, at least one receiver injury, maybe two. And if you're waiting for an injury to make a receiver viable, then just you know, just drop them. The thing is, too, with Moore, if you still like Moore and you don't want to drop them, you maybe you can drop them on a Friday. You know, drop them when nobody's paying attention. You know, <laughs> and then if you want them back, you can sneak them up. And someone's like, the "Oh, I didn't know drop. more. I didn't know more was on waivers." You know, you're just kind of putting them to the side. But I don't know when he's going to have projectable volume again. And if you don't have projectable volume, you're not viable for me in fantasy. I I, I see the talent, Rondell Moore. I see why people get excited. But there's too many fantasy obstructors in his way in Arizona. Oh, I have such a weakness for guys like that once we get into, especially once we get into the bye weeks. Just give me the give me the high variance guys. Give me the guys who might have six catches and two touchdowns. And he's okay. he's that sort of explosive player. You're right. He's, you know, he's got he's got more three catch 28 yard games left in him than he than he has multi touchdown games for sure i'm just i i i feel a reasonable level of confidence that he's got two more blow up games and i i just want to be there for it and i know you won't be able to project them ahead of time i just want to say that i you know it's, it's going to be no, great after they happen you know i'd love it if he was on the back of one of my best ball rosters where you just get that yeah. stuff but if you have to call the shot i think it's gonna be very difficult all right, it's a fair point. Um, that is going to do it for this episode. But we're going to keep the conversation going on Twitter. You guys can follow me at Andy Barons. Please follow Scott at Scott underscore Pianowski uh, for fantasy news and analysis from the whole darn team. Make sure you're also following at Yahoo Fantasy. Uh, and hey, you can get overreactions to a great college football weekend. Uh, <coughs> go Hawks. How about, how about uh, we didn't even get a chance to talk about... Uh, Iowa's absolute demolition of uh, Maryland, the game that everybody is still discussing. Uh, anyway, you can get overreactions to a great college football weekend from Dan Wetzel and Pete Thamel on the latest episode of College Football Inquirer. Search for it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. I assume that moving forward, it's just going to be constant wall-to-wall Iowa Hawkeye coverage. Um, Scott will be back tomorrow with Frank Schwab for the betting preview of Week 5 in the NFL. Until then, we are out.